We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man gonna dominate. Boys, Offense, defense, special teams. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. Happy Monday to all of you. Happy Monday. <laughs> still buried in our homes. Still buried. Stuck, stuck, and stuck in the quarantine life. But you're going back to school tomorrow. Well, online school anyways. You ready for it? Well, yeah, man, you know, we're ready as ever. Change is going to be, you know, I'm sure with uh, everything, this, some things are still up in the air. So, but we'll get it figured out for these next uh, six to eight weeks. And we got to make it happen, too. I mean, I know we've been doing online school for close to a month. It's been challenging. And I got to tell you, getting on a podcast, though, is a break from that. Yeah. Talk some football. And the Rams have been active in the last week today. They signed two kickers. I'm not going to try and pronounce that poor gentleman from the CFL's name, but also Austin McInnes from the XFL, Dallas Renegades. Uh, they, get, they get signed. So now you have a kicker competition now going into the draft and the draft a third guy. We'll see. But, I mean, Rams doing things to address holes. But the big one was a trade. And I, I talked with Steve last time out about 
my feelings on the trade. I'm very curious to where you're going. But before we get knee deep, I just want to just in a in a sentence, what's your initial thought? Rebuilding. 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 It's interesting you say that because when I asked Steve that question last week, he thought that no, the Rams aren't rebuilding, they're reloading. And I said, "Uh, you can say, you can call whatever you want. They're redoing. You can call it what you want, right? It's to me, it's a rebuild because you, when you are, yeah, moving this much out, and you are basically saying, we're going to take our medicine. I've been preaching that, and man, I, I I want to, Mike, I want to just pat myself on the back so much, but then I realized how wrong I was. But I was wrong too, Mike. I was. I thought there was no way on earth, no way on earth, that the Rams would release Todd Gurley and trade Brandon Cooks this offseason. I thought there would be no way they would take on the dead cap hit. Well, we know they're serious now about straightening that salary cap up because that's exactly what they did. And I right. cannot wait to get deeper thoughts on the rebuilding. Wow. Rebuilding. So, folks, you know we're sponsored by Jim Hawkins' book, Hollow's Team. And also, I want to ask you, if you have not done already, please help us get over the hump. That's 205 star reviews. Go to Ramps Talk Radio on Apple Music. You go to write out that review. Submit it. Send us a screenshot of it to, to RamsTalk1945 at gmail.com. And we will be good to go in getting you entered into the contest to get yourself a Rams jersey from NFLshop.com. We'll, we'll pay for it ourselves. If you want the jersey after, well, we'll see how these uniforms pan out here shortly, but oh, fingers crossed on that one. And to ask you to subscribe as well. Our available anywhere podcast can be found, and we're doing the best we can to provide content, even with the world on fire due to this coronavirus pandemic. All right, so, Mike, trade happens. The Rams get a second-round pick, the Texans 57th overall in the draft. They send a 2022 fourth rounder and Brandon Cooks over to the Texans. They eat a huge, let me say again, huge salary cap hit. And now they're moving forward to, and now they're moving forward to try and tool up for the 2020 season. What do you think of this thing overall? You said rebuilding is your first thought. What's the overall? Well, when I'm saying re- rebuilding in the sense of it, it feels like, and I think we'll get a little bit more into it, especially, uh, you know, bouncing off some of the things from uh, Colin Cowherd, some of his, his uh, discussion in the week. Uh, but <clears throat> when you just look at the number of guys either not re-signed, let go, and now release, especially some of the guys that were key pieces to, you know, the S- Super Bowl run season. So it just it just feels to me like they're saying, you know what, we're going to take this medicine. We're going to use this coronavirus offseason to say whatever missteps that have gone on or may happen down the road. We're just going to put it on the offseason that we couldn't really get together with all the changes, not only players are leaving, coaches have left, uh, the strength coach is gone, you know, so there's just a lot of key pieces that were here when it was seemed like it was going good. And then it just seems like they're saying, you know what, we're just going to change it up. We're going to fix this salary structure and we're just going to have to do it sooner than later. And I think this whole idea behind, you know, are we going to play this year? Not. This year and all these good things is just a great opportunity for them to somewhat get some things straightened out without it really being maybe on the field. I mean, theoretically, if the doomsday sayers are true, we might not see football this year. So the Rams kind of get a, they could potentially get a do-over on all this. They could potentially have a draft, have no season, have another draft next year. And basically rebuild despite everything going on. They can rebuild twice over. As crazy as that sounds. I have no right. idea how that would work overall. You wouldn't. Right. You wouldn't. What would you do with the players in this case? What would you do with. Because the players. 
got to get paid, they got to live. But the league won't make much money this year without their TV going on. I mean, what would you do? How would you deal with that? That's a whole bunch of different, oh boy, rabbit trolls. I'm not sure you want to go down, but that could happen. Worst case scenario. Best case scenario, they're playing football all 16 games this year, and this is this is going to be the thing. California is saying they don't expect stadiums until November. So I I don't know, but that has to be a factor in some of their decision-making, like to back off for 2020, because you would think you'd want to go into the 2020 season with a loaded roster your first year in Inglewood, you would think you'd want to load up, but they're doing the opposite. They're backing up. And what do you think? Well, you think it, well, you think about it, Derek. Uh, you know, my rookie year was '87. We went out on strike that year. We were out seven weeks, and then there were no games. We're like, well, they had the replacement games, aka scab game. But you know, a lot of times you would turn on the the TV, and you know, it was maybe ten, five thousand sitting in stadiums and it's like okay this is a joke but if you think about this season let's just say you know they're probably not going to can the whole season based on all the things that are being said about just getting restarted in general so i'm saying it's probably going to be half a season you know come back they'll have some type of little you know two three week mini camp deal uh Call that even, you know, maybe play a simulated eight game season, you know, and then they'll have a abbreviated playoff and Super Bowl. And again, everybody will be just kind of happy to get back to things. But if you can get in eight games and, and, and call it a season and whatever else, because, again, we, we came back off a strike then we played, I think it was maybe seven more games, uh, though they counted those games during the, the strike portion of it for wins and losses, but everybody kind of looked at it like, okay, this season is just kind of over with. And the people who ended up going to the playoffs and Super Bowl, it was like, okay, you guys went, but it was just kind of like, oh, well, 1988 rolls around, everything kind of rolled back into normal. So I look at it from that standpoint. Yeah, they may not be having technically the scab games, which were kind of a waste of time. So but if they're able to get in, you know, eight games and then a playoff and then a Super Bowl, you know, it's going to feel a little bit like uh, a regular season. You know, that here's the problem with that thinking, though, is if as we're paying attention to the news and I know everybody's focusing on the now and, and by right, everybody should be focusing on the now. People are losing jobs. We, we are approaching by some estimates of 40% unemployment right now in our country, that is backbreaking. So we're not thinking about November or December. However, the few models that look that far ahead are showing a coronavirus return in November or December. So we would be going right back to the same old, same old pretty quickly here if those models are right. So I'm not sure what kind of thinking the NFL is having or the teams are having. And I gotta wonder what the Rams are thinking because there's no perfect answer. I think you have to have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, etc. when it comes to this because we don't even know what's going to be going on in two weeks. In two weeks, this all could be bam. We can have a major heat wave run across this country and discover, oh, this virus does actually die off in the heat and everything settles. We, who knows? I just, um, I would be right concerned right. if a so, team, though, was, was operating on the, that belief that everything's going to be fine and dandy in September. Well, but I'm saying they may not be operating per se, but I'm just saying, you know, just speculate. You can get in eight games. Again, are any of the teams that are going to play really going to count this season? Not really. Now, if you end up making it to the Super Bowl and you get your Super Bowl ring, you're going to be like, yeah, we're the Super Bowl champs. But it'll always somewhat have an asterisk to the 
the year just because of what has gone on. Nevertheless, Super Bowl ring is a Super Bowl ring. It's going to have as many diamonds as all the rest of them and what have you. And, you know, hopefully it will be that time. Now, as far as a second round of the virus coming back, well, yeah, that's saying they will be then tied to what would be winter season, flu and cold. But if they're saying, ah, it's not technically like the flu, then, you know, this could, it's going to kind of get washed into the normal flu season, which, yeah, could there be a second round? I don't know, but I'm with you. A heat wave come across here, and and if it does react to heat, as a lot of different reports have said, then it could be gone sooner than later. Now, whether it comes back or not, who knows? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not really going to probably be taking no vaccine. I've never taken a flu shot across my, my fingers. But at the same time, you know, you're talking close to seven, eight months from now, you know, would they have some type of vaccine or at least some type of procedure whether it's blood, plasma, or some type of antibodies in a way to kind of mitigate the overall damage that, you know, this uh, COVID-19 seems to be doing. But, I mean, just putting aside the real-life aspects of it, which the Rams and the NFL obviously have to plan for, if we're talking just decision-making in terms of personnel right now, right? was this trade the right move for the Rams to make, in your view or not? What do you think? In my in my view, not really. Unless again, they have the results of the you know head results and concussions, the trauma. They're there practice. They've looked at film. You know, they may say, "Well, you know, we felt like he was ready to go," but they can look on film and actually see a guy if he's really not trying to you know, run routes or, you know, he's afraid of getting another concussion. So, you know, maybe he's catching and going down. You know, they have all those things. Uh, my thing is, we've talked about the salary in the past and, you know, maybe you paid a little bit too much too early, but that's always in retrospect of how things either go or don't go. You know, if he had stayed at that high, super high level, no concussions, we got into the playoffs, deep in the playoffs, and he was the league. They'd have been like, oh, man, you know, we had a real winner in, in him. But as it is, stands right now, it looks like, yeah, it needed to move on. But again, when we are talking about what we feel are good, uh, you know, person in less need and people making decisions, and, you know, Mr. Demoff and the guys that are bringing guys on, now it's starting to look like, okay, man, what are you guys doing? You look like you don't know what you're doing. You just kind of were guessing, and now you don't have a real plan. So, again, like, now what is the plan? We build them through the draft. Okay, that's a two, three-year project. So that's why I am. I, that's why I'm saying rebuild. But then it's like, okay, what, what kind is the plan? Uh, you know. I just think they had to do it, though. I think that if they wanted to, if they wanted to be able to reload in a cheap way and rebalance this team's salary cap structure, they had to eat it this year. I mean, it's different. I think if Brandon Cooks doesn't suffer those concussions last year, honestly. I, I think it's a totally different game. And I know on the flip side, there have been folks who have argued, well, Josh Reynolds will step in and he'll be that deep guy. Well, we've never seen the Rams really use him as a deep guy, even though he has the speed and the build to be a deep guy. Why have they never used him as one? They always use him across the middle, which I always felt was kind of stupid. I'm just trying to understand the thought process with that. If McReynolds is the quote-unquote next man up that filled that position, we don't have a whole lot of film to back that up, but maybe they see something in practice we're not seeing. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I yet. just, yeah, I mean, you, you got to just, you know, if we just go up the roster, the receivers now, we got Robert Woods. We know what he can do. 
We got Cooper Cup. Definitely he's not going to be a deep guy. And then obviously you just talked about Josh Reynolds. Then you have a kid named Greg Dortch, who's 5'7", first year guy. And then is it Simba? Nasimba or Simba Webster? Simba Webster, yeah. Nasimba Webster, second season guy, you know, out of Eastern Washington. Uh, don't know a lot about him. Uh, stats are... You know, games played in five out of, you know, seven attempts. He has 18 yards, and these are punt returns and kick returns. So, you know, here's another guy. Again, they're at practice. Maybe they know that these guys can now maybe step up, give an opportunity to get more practice time with the, you know, first, second units. You know, I don't know. And maybe they're going to be looked on. But, you know, at 5'10", 180, that's good size for a receiver. So maybe they have some sleepers on the roster that now will absolutely get an opportunity to go out there and, and make a name for themselves with the new look Rams, if, if you will. This new look team is, to me, the right now, it, without knowing where they go in the draft, and the draft tells a whole lot more, they're focusing yeah. more on 12 personnel than 11 personnel. That's how it looks to me. It looks to me like they will probably go pursue a potential speed receiver, outside receiver, in this very, very deep receiver draft. But, man, I... Mike, I don't know even... know where to go with it overall. And I'm not mad at the Rams for this. You and I, we've been saying this for months... The Rams are going to take their medicine sooner or later. They've chosen this year to take their medicine. Right, which I think, given the circumstances, they have a lot of ways to come up, if you want to, with a few excuses on the reason why uh, certain things. And and the crazy thing is, uh, and I don't know that they'll do it on purpose, but you know there will be some things guaranteed that will come out a little bit later and the reason why some of these moves were made when they were, you know what I mean? And you'll go like, Oh, see, but that's a way that teams do. And you look across the board, you know, when they release a guy that looked like, you know, he should have been there, you know, you're going to look at a guy like Cam Newton. And again, you're going to start hearing more things on the reason why they didn't bring a guy like that back. So once a guy is no longer here, it allows a team to, you know, throw out some smoke and throw some things out there uh, that maybe they were keeping a lid on or, you know, they kind of just let it take its life on its own without saying, no, that's not the reason we just were going in a different direction. They let things sometimes play out in the media to just take a little heat off of some of the decisions they either made or didn't make. So do you think the way that the Todd Gurley thing worked out with Gurley talking his garbage last week on right. social media. The Rams didn't really say anything. No. There were some people no. who defended Gurley by saying that the Rams had a bad mouth and Gurley behind, you know, through public means. Where do you stand with all that? The way Gurley behaved, the way the team presented itself, and so on and so forth. Well, you know, the, the thing is, uh, you know, when you play for an organization... Can I say, you know, management's a little bit different. And you would assume with <clears throat> Mr. Cronky being the, the owner, things are a little bit different. But, you know, it's also some things are just culturally part of an organization that they may not be able to get out of, get away from as easy as maybe thought in the past. So there's been some, you know, questionable moves, you know, with the Rams, again, going back to my buddy Eric Dickerson and the trade and how that went down and why and 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 so on and so forth. You know, who's the power people and, you know, then with Miss Frontieri moving the team to St. Louis, who's really running the team? Why would you move the team out of L.A. and Anaheim where we were and all those good things? So this to me was a thing, you know, because when Gurley's talking about the assumption would be Stan Kroenke. If he had to dig in his own pocket, has plenty of money to do that. Like Todd, you know, you're probably going to get your money. But when you go out there and say, yeah, you know, these guys haven't paid me again, that's a shot for him to say, look, you guys try to make me look bad by the way you, you know, 
traded me, released me, you know, whatever you did. Well, let me just show the public what you guys do. So then it just starts questioning everything. But the big thing is Gurley saying things like that is more of for a guy who's thinking about a free agent move here. Huh? You guys better look at it. Look what they did to such and such. Look what they did to me. Look what they did to this. Look, look at Brandon Cooks now, you know, so. Then guys start getting a little skeptical, like, okay, well, what are they doing over there at the Rams? You know, so, but at the end of the day, uh, my sons and I, we were talking about, you know, a guy like uh, big time receivers now at Cleveland. Landry and Beckham. Beckham, you know, talking about Beckham now, Beckham, there's some trade and he may be going back to the Jets or something. And it's like... What I know is at the end of the day, guys, one, they want to go where they can shine. Two, they want to go where they can get paid. Unfortunately, sometimes those things don't work hand in hand. The place that you need to go, sometimes guys don't want to go. The place that you shouldn't go, but you go because, hey, man, they're paying me a few more dollars. People end up going. So sometimes in these cases, even though an organization, you hear, oh, man, that organization is going, you know, but we see guys they'll end up in Cincinnati and some of these other places that supposedly the organization isn't that well run or whatever. But for you to be a guy who's sought after for you, it makes it like, well, at least this team wants me or at least it appears. And if they're willing to put their money up on the dotted line, that speaks for itself. So. uh Say all that to say, yeah, you know, obviously, Gurley, hey, man, you do what you want. Uh, I don't think he did it in too negative a way. However, he knows he's going to get his money. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, thank you. know, I got my money and all that stuff. So so it's just kind of one of those things that you guys try to get me. Well, I'm going to get you. But a player at the end of the day figures out, Terrell Owens figured it out late. Uh, I think uh, my 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 guy Brown is figuring it out now. The the owners in the league they hold all the chip. You can say and do what you want. You can, and you'll find yourself sitting at home because eventually people say enough is enough. So you have to be able to to pick and choose when you want to be very vocal about things. You know, we saw the caller Kaepernick. He took a stand for what he believed in. He's not in the league anymore, so has plus and minuses. Only thing is, the Rams, they could say, well, look at how you're not paying players. The Rams, on the flip side, Steve mentioned this last, on the last show, you know, we're talking about a guy who had major injury in college, especially to his knee. And the Rams took the shot and drafted him and then paid him a massive contract much of which he still got paid. So, on the other side of that, they are a franchise that's shown a willingness to pay big money and pay the price for it if it doesn't work out. So, I'm not sure why on earth the intention would then be to come around and hammer the Rams on the way out. I don't see how that's productive at all for anybody, including Todd Gurley. And, and Todd did take a lot of heat after those comments from many fans, many fans who were fans of his and were like, okay, I'm done with you now. I mean, it gets, goes both ways and no one knows, like he's saying that on, on social media, but no one knows what the situation is over there. Maybe the Rams are waiting for notice from the Falcons that the contract's officially signed. Maybe they're waiting on, on full physical notifications and so on and so forth. We don't know what the Rams know. And it was just really interesting enough to me that they were willing to, he was willing to just put out there and make us think about it, even if it was a joke. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, in, in, in my diatribe, I probably lost what I was trying to ultimately say is it doesn't matter ultimately what guys say and things like that. If a team is going to pay you, whether the organization is well run or not, more times than not, the guy's going to go get his money. You know what I'm saying? If you yeah. can come here and get your guaranteed money for a year or two and they do whatever, nobody cares. Man, I made my 25 or 30 million or whatever it is. Man, cool. 
you know, do what you need to do. But, you know, ultimately, you, you, you made some major points. Yes, they took a huge gamble on a guy who had a major knee injury uh, coming out of college, drafting that high, basically letting him rehab the whole year, rookie year, then bringing him along and then doing what we've heard, all the load management and things like And I told you, me watching him at camp, you know, uh, two summers ago, I was just kind of like, man, this guy looks like he's limping. And they're like, oh, no, that's just kind of how he's running, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I don't play this game a long time. Mm-hmm. I know when a guy's running with a limp, you know. And so, and again, that was just my observation from watching him at camp practice. And he, he wasn't doing a whole lot even in the practice. So, yeah, you, you see a guy who's who's gotten his money. And, and, and again, sometimes you get your money. You figure you can say a few more more things. But at the end of the day... He's probably going to benefit probably more than anyone with the season now being like it is. You know what I mean? Because if we were right on what we've observed over the last year, just body language and different things. And if the Rams know that, hey, man, that knee is like really on its its last run, then he now has an opportunity to strengthen parts of the knee without, you know, the banging and banging and, and he's going to be playing more on turf, you know, there in Atlanta as well. So, you know, a lot of those things come into play on how much he has really left in the tank or was it just really something in the personalities that got in there? Because I just wouldn't, I'm just not going to, you know, don't want to put throw golf out there, but throw golf out there. You know, sometimes if, if you feel like, well, why are they trying to make that guy the real leader face of the franchise when man i'm i'm over here proving it you know that guy over there he he's showing that he can be suspect so you just don't know but just kind of watching how certain things are happening and transpiring to me it just shows that there was something a little bit more going on than than we all knew and that's a warning sign to me like what was going on in that staff what was going on with sean mcveigh and todd Gurley? You know, Todd Gurley ran well at times last year and at times not so well. And there was a point during a press conference later in the year, I think it was Lindsay Theory who called him out, McVeigh out, on right, his right. play call in the Seahawks game. But maybe now we understand that there was something deeper, maybe a lack of trust was going on there. It was some issues beyond just the offensive lines not working the way they want to work out. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll find out. Maybe one day they'll do some NFL network, whatever on it. But and 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 like you said, man, the the fact that it looks like they're going to more of a twelve, you know, two tight end type of offense, that just might be the thing that your reps are going down anyway. And and maybe he had a lot of incentives tied up into either rush attempts or rush yards, and with the idea that you're going to less attempts on his behalf means you you know you're cutting into the bottom line on the paycheck pay scale at some point you know i don't know but there's a lot of things that cause a guy to go in the tank if you will you know is he hurt you're trying to make him play hurt you know are you draining his knee every day before the game you know and he's like yeah i'm not doing that you know whatever those things are but you know, we know that, you know, between him, the running back coach, who's no longer here either. And maybe after he was let go, Gurley became maybe he went in there and pounded on some tables and, and, and or told uh, the staff he couldn't believe, you know, what they're doing and where it got back up to management. But, yeah, there there was a big reason. And, and when you let a a true starter and a guy who's brought a lot to your team and a lot of success and he's no longer there, and there's no real rhyme or reason except a lot of speculation. I, I think there's just a lot more to it than than anyone wants to let on. Well, I guess we're going to find out. But that leads us to what is going on overall with the, with the organization. And we want to get to that before we do. We do want to let you know, again, we were sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Oklahoma's team. If you haven't read it yet, it's a great opportunity to learn some Rams history. You want to understand why. For example, Rams fans are hardcore on the team's colors and, the, and their logo. You got to know the history. You got to know where this team came from, who they bought it with over time, and it happened to entrench itself with Hollywood in the 1950s. So check it out. It's 
Hollywood's team, Grit, Glenn, the 19th Los Angeles Rams, will find Crazy Lakes Hirsch in there, Les Richter, Lauren Van Brocklin, all these guys. And you can learn a really cool story about Jim's dad, John, who was offensive lineman for the team. You can learn more about it at HollywoodsTeam.com or on Twitter at HollywoodsTeam and know that all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is an organization in the LA area looking to help keep people off the streets, out of the gang life, and making them members of society. Again, good ones, that is. All right, so that brings me to some of the media talk about the Rams. And in, in specific, Mike, what I really wanted to delve into is just some of the commentary. One clip in particular that made it made the headlines, at least for the sports world, for the Rams, at least in social media, was by Colin Cowherd this last week. Let's listen in. But this trade is really not about Brandon Cooks. It's about two teams with talent in big markets who are increasingly dysfunctional. For the Rams, oh, Colin, you're an L.A. guy. You'll probably support what the Rams did. No, I won't. They pay too much money, and they pay everybody early, and they fall in love with players. Wrong. The great personnel people fall in like with everybody. Even Belichick with Brady. It was mostly a like affair, not a love affair. The Rams and the Texans are doing something I hate in life. They're confusing activity for efficiency. It's just bad move, bad move, bad move, bad move, trying to follow up on a move that didn't work. New rule in the NFL. Pay almost nobody big money and never pay anybody except the star quarterback early. And you'd stay out of 90% of these problems. Or you can find that whole segment and that entire episode over on their YouTube channel, like how, uh, the Cowherds, the Herds channel. And uh, thanks again for that clip there. Mike, Colin believes that the Rams are, he's pretty much saying they're about the shiny toys. They don't know what to do with these toys. And there's being active just to be active. Do you agree? Well, I agree to the degree of when you look back at some of the signings we had, uh, you know, early on uh, when we brought in, uh, obviously this year we brought in, in, you know, big time corner, you know, year before we brought in big time corner from, from Denver. So when you look at it from those standpoints, you could say, yeah, you know, we also, you know, brought in cooks, not necessarily on the trade, but. Uh, there, there's a little bit of truth to it, but I just think overall, either they had a plan, that plan was no longer working. They're going to now change and, as you say, take their medicine now sooner than later and then try to, you know, regroup and maybe go with what Coach McVeigh's original plan was. And that's more of a two tight end you know, single back, uh, running back situation. But there is some, I would agree that, you know, when you're kind of signing and make, making these kind of headline signings, you know, Marcus Peters, uh, you know, obviously we have a, a, a young man still on the team, you know, this year and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, yeah, you could say, oh, man, you're you're trying to just, you know, get these guys and pay these guys. And then, you know, it's working out. It's not working out. So, uh, but I just think overall, it just seems like whatever their initial plan was, they're now trying to adjust it. I, I think he's, I think he's off on this. I think actually, if he made that comment a year ago, he's probably right. Honestly, I mean, when he's a year ago, he was filling the roster with more stars, and he had more to go get, and that includes Ramsey. I think now the Rams looking at where they are and what they need, they're actually realizing that we got to step back. So I, th- I actually disagree with his comments in the context of 2020. Again, if he said it last year, I think he's probably right. The Rams made those moves to get those stars because they, they felt their windows open. They were going to go for it. And I'm not going to fault a team for doing that. If you, are really going to fault the Rams for taking a shot at a Super Bowl 
then you need to put down the crack pipe. And I'm not saying you, you, but you know what I mean. If you are one of those people out there saying, well, the Rams are so stupid. No, they took their shot. It didn't work out. And it's a shame that a lot of those deals didn't work out, but I would rather see them go for it, pay these guys their money, instead of being called a cheap organization. And if it doesn't work out, well, they've been so good at developing players that they have a really good chance at overcoming some of those struggles. But I do want to point out one thing, and that Jalen Ramsey and me, you have to re-sign him. You can't. You gave up two ones for him. There's a, there's a, to me, a limit to that philosophy, and that is if you went and got this guy to basically play a season and a half for you and then lose him for those two first-round picks, you've, that's probably where you've lost your mind. <laughs> right. So, uh, but man, as I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back, one of the significant strengths of the offense, or I'm, well, I'll just do it out there, the offense back in the Super Bowl year run, uh, 2018, was what the offensive line consistency. Correct. Yeah. Pretty much had the same O line pretty much throughout the year. That was starkly different last year. Yeah, a lot of guys in and out, in and out, in and out. Uh, another consistent thing was Cooper Cup was not injured, right? So as much as you say he doesn't or does bring to the team, the fact that he got injured was not another uh, outlet for for Jared Goff. You know, it seemed like they have a pretty good relationship as far as quarterback to receiver. So now you got a bunch of adjustments. Then you have, you know, the hiccup. Obviously, with Gurley, didn't look like he was running the same. Uh, but when you start having all these injuries and different things at different times, it just throws things out of whack. And the next thing you know, you, you're losing games as you should have won and or you maybe just squeaking by a game here or there. So you put all those things in and then Brandon Cooks is just getting multiple concussions. So it's like, OK, everything was really out of source when you look at last year overall. So that being the case, again, because they're privy to the doctor's records and medical records and, you know, they're watching film in and out, you know, depending on what the scheme of the the coordinators who are now coming in, even though the offense was pretty much going to be whatever Sean Coach McVay talks about. uh, I just, again, there's just a lot of changes and you put all those things in the mix, that's why the NFL, it's so hard to get back to the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl, year in and year out, because you can't foresee trades, you can't foresee untimely injuries, you just can't foresee, you know, just inconsistency, you know, and quiet is kept, that whole thing that happened with the strength coach, who knows what that did, because he was a pretty big part of just the staff getting guys going and keeping them going and keeping them focused. A lot of time, the strength coach plays a major role. I know everywhere I was, even going back to college, our strength coach is a guy you're spending a lot of time with. So he has a big influence. So who knows that whole situation with him not really being here all last year and you know, and then he comes back, you know, after he gets acquitted and, and then now he's gone because it just seemed like they're going in a different direction. All those things just make for a lot of uncertainty. Uh, but as we've discussed on numerous podcasts, what ultimately is the Rams plan? And we're starting to see, well, it looks like they're adjusting the plan for sure. It looks like they've made the call to take their medicine now, reload. I mean, they, they just took a whole bunch of money off their books for next year and the years after that by, by eating that stuff now. And when I thought this year would be the year they'd take their medicine, I thought there were limits to that, and they proved me wrong there. And it makes me remember this is why I'm a podcaster and not working in the organization as an expert. I don't always agree, though, with how they're doing it, but I think this time they're making the right call. You have Brandon Cooks who, let's let's face it, I, I'm a really big Brandon Cooks fan. I think he's been getting ripped off by many of the fans who trash him. 
they forget how productive he was until last year. I think a, a poor offensive line early in the year, combined with the injuries, led to Cooks struggling last year. Uh, it's just be real on that. And concussions, when you've had multiple concussions, you're you're one concussion away from something major happening at that point. So if the Rams can get a second round pick for him at this point and get his contract off their books after the season, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they take that shot in a wide receiver deep draft to have the capital to get a guy that can come in and hopefully contribute next year? I mean, does it mean that it doesn't mean that Brandon Cooks doesn't belong there or didn't belong there. It means that he became too much of a risk long-term when they're trying to win long-term. If I make any sense at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, just from a medical standpoint, what do we know about the NFL? These games are all taped, right? We've seen a number of them. But when you look and it says he's had five known concussions, two within one week, well, are the Rams going to be on the hook down the road for having a guy on the team that they know had these concussions? Again, they all have privy or at least the, the medical staff has privy to his medical records. And again, they've seen him in practice. They know what's going on. And again. Are they saying, yeah, man, the guy's ready to go? But knowing that, yeah, there hasn't been something well known, and we've seen it in boxing, when you have concussions, it's not like you don't have concussions. So to have five known, again, quote unquote known, that doesn't mean all the other times when like, man, I just didn't tell them or I didn't come out or didn't look that hard or I got hit in practice or you know, whatever else, you know, maybe they're just saying, you know, we don't want to be liable for what may be down the road, because what if the next known, what if the next concussion, you know, a guy's like now in the hospital for an extended period of time with, you know, a serious head injury, I just, you know, it just seemed like, yeah, they don't want to be on the take for that, even though he's only 26. You don't, yeah, you don't want to be that guy, right? You don't want to be stuck. And so right. that takes me really to evaluating Les Snead as well. Because, I mean, everywhere I'm looking here, you're seeing comments about how the Rams do business, about Les right. Snead and the job he does. And, I mean, we're already 45 minutes in this podcast. It'd be kind of hard to go there now. But I think we should really look at that here and really kind of evaluate him. Now, you guys have all heard me talk about his draft and, and his last three drafts and how 22 of the 27 players in the last three drafts are still on this team. That's incredible. And they're all contributors, by the way. So I think we have to really look at the trades, the free agent acquisitions, the giving up of draft picks when evaluating him full circle before we just go out there and, and hammer him for the things that didn't work out. Because what if they did work out? Like if they if they work out, are we even talking about how good or bad he is? Right. So that's the thing is you can't foresee injuries. That's the hardest thing to predict. Or you can't see, you know, one guy gets a concussion, comes back, doesn't have one the rest of his career. You know what I mean? So it's just hard to figure out, you know, but you can't get around when a guy says the Rams absorbed $21.8 million salary cap, which is higher than what Antonio Brown did at the 21.12. That's a lot of dough, man. That's a lot of dough that, that you're absorbing. And again, no fault of less, no fault of the Rams, no fault of uh, Brandon. You know, it's just unfortunate situation. Whatever happened with him when he was getting hit or what have you ended up being in a concussion. Uh, and then I know mentally for him, that has to wear and play on him as well, because nobody wants to knowingly go out there knowing that, man, one more of those and I might not know my name tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sure it's way in which, again, 
you may say finesse less speed, regardless of how somewhat cold-blooded it might seem, you may go like, man, he was actually able to deal the guy because the Texans, they have to know this is a guy who's, you know, maybe one one more concussion away from, you know, the league stepping in and saying, hey, this guy can't play anymore, whether they do it publicly or behind doors. You know what I mean? So there's a lot riding on it. Uh, man, hope the best for him. And, and, you know, again, you hope that everyone can can come out a winner. But, yes, evaluating that Steve, all these things will come back eventually to, hey, man, what were you thinking? You should have seen that, you know, and some things you just can't play out. Until you, you, you don't know. It's like a guy getting drafted. You know, David Carr is popping off about uh Jameis Winston and hey man, go get you some real trainers. And Jameis Winston's going back at him like, look, man, I've been with this guy since I've been 14. You might want to keep your mouth shut. And then you look at Dave Carr and go, Dave, it wasn't like you was the best number one. So yeah, be quiet. But these are the things that doesn't matter where you're drafted, you just never know if that guy's going to really become that number one, number two, first round pick, or if it's going to be a guy like Zach Thomas, who was late round guy, you know, free agent type of player who now is in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. So all these players have an opportunity. So it's, it's you know, that's why the draft is somewhat, it's a crapshoot regardless, because you just don't know those number one guys who never pan out and the late round guys who play 10, 15, 20 years and become Hall of Famers. In the end, Cooks, in his one full season, reached all expectations. Yes. He's a major part of getting that team in the Super Bowl. And that's an area where I agree, disagree with Cowherd. Cowherd was like, there's a reason why Cooks was traded. Cooks was traded because he didn't fit what the Saints were doing, and he didn't fit in the end what the Patriots wanted. The Rams needed a guy who can go deep and who is very good at getting deep. Is he a well-rounded receiver? No, he's not, and that's going to hurt him. But in the Rams' offense, when they were able to go deep, he was a perfect fit. And it's a shame it didn't work out that way in in the long term. So I just, I mean... Go look at his numbers. Folks, look at Cook's numbers. Before last year, he was one of the most productive productive receivers in the league. You can't can't change that. Right. All right. So, we do need to evaluate, I think, less. So, I think we're going to plan that for next week unless, you know, something blows apart here. In the meantime, the Rams go do something else that's crazy. Do you have any final thoughts today, Mike? No, I just, you know, one of my things is just, man, uh, you know, as we're still in this uh, coronavirus, coronacation, corona pandemic, you know, if everyone just hangs in there, sticks together, you know, we'll get through this, uh, be some brighter days. And I know that, it, aren't they still going to do the draft by? Virtually? How yeah. are they doing? Yeah, I think they're virtual draft. So. You know, at least gives us something to look forward to. At least, but oh man, crazy! Why did they get that guy? You know, so this year will be real interesting to see how uh, teams draft, and uh, real anxious to see how the Rams draft. Now that at least they picked up another pick in the draft, and and kind of what direction we're going to go. And I think we'll it'll play out a lot with this draft coming up. One thing I mentioned at last show, but one thing I really liked was the fact that they by getting that second, they have the ability to move up into the first if they really have a guy there they want. They didn't really have that ability before, I thought. I don't think. So now if they need somebody, they can move up th- to the first round and get that guy that they believe is a difference maker. I mean, he'll probably move back because that's what Les Snead does. But, you know, that second round pick, I think, is huge for them in terms of replacing depth. You need a deep guy. This, this draft is low with receivers. You need an edge rusher. You need a pass rusher. Now you have another pick in that first four rounds that you can go get the guy you think will make an impact for you. So I like the trade overall. I think getting a second round pick for a guy whose stock was way down was 
pretty outstanding in my view. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Question. Do you think they would try to package that tr- that pick with another Ram player and make a trade to pick up another couple more? I think it depends. I think uh, given uncertainty about Gerald Everett, for example, I think he's, I think they have plans for Everett, but if the right, if the right move is there, I can see them moving him. He'd save him a little bit of money and there's, there is some doubt over whether or not they can get they can bring him back next year. A couple other players, I think, but at this point, they've gotten rid of so many of the players that they could get rid of. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, you have to. Mike, I, I don't know anymore. I, I used to be much more confident. I mean, do with you them. think, you know, uh, because one of the things, someone we talked a little bit about last week, but with Brockers coming back, the A. Sean Robinson, it obviously gives them depth. I mean, they have him listed as a starter at nose tackle, but. You know, what you think of something like that, Sean Robinson and this draft pick now gets packaged with something to, you know, maybe pick up additional or, like you say, maybe move up. You know, I don't know. Can they trade guys like, they just signed? I don't think they can. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. That, yeah, that's the one we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they can. Yeah, can, you, can you move? It would have to be an offensive guy, pretty much, because you're not moving anybody on that defense. They're all guys who are either unestablished or or are signed long term to big contracts. So it would probably be some of the offensive line, be or a tight end like Joe Everett that would be moved. I do think the Rams have to renegotiate Goff here. I don't think their money sits right right now. So we'll see how that works out. But well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. All right, folks, it's time for us to go. You can find everything done by Rams Talk at ramstalk.net. You can find us on social media, a Twitter at TalkRams or at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have the group, the Rams Talk Room. We put all of our stuff in there. Our guys are writing some serious articles about the draft now coming up. Also, you can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Mike on Twitter at 1Duke23. Remember, wherever the Angler podcast can be found, make sure you check it out. And we'll see you guys later this week for our episode of Ramp Talk Radio. We're out of here. Have a great one. You don't want to add in your, we're out of here? We're out of here. <laughs> we'll do that again. All right. Go. We're out of here. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. 
Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.